0: Welcome to The Carnivore Cast, a podcast focused on the carnivore diet and lifestyle, with practical advice from successful carnivores, citizen scientists, and top researchers. I'm your host, Scott Maslinski, and I'm here to speak with experts and experienced carnivores to get answers to your biggest and meatiest questions while helping you live your best life as a carnivore. This
1: episode is sponsored by Ava Jane's Kitchen Kalima Sea Salt, this salt harvested from the ancient Colima salt flats in Mexico is super delicious, super crunchy, and free of ocean-borne microplastics. Tastes great on everything from steak to eggs to water to coffee. I personally use it in all my meals and between meals for a bit of a pick-me-up. You just go like this. Very good. And with every purchase, you'll be supporting the show and the solid that work tirelessly to bring you this delicious salt. Check out CarnivoreCastSalt.com, all one word. That's Carnivore Cast Salt. Get your first bag of Kalima Sea Salt absolutely free. Only pay for shipping. Dr. Natalie West is a clinical psychotherapist with over 16 years of experience. She specializes in self-image conflict and nutritional psychology for treating mental and physical root causes of health. Natalie's focus is on nutrition and its connection to mental health. Welcome to the show, Natalie.
2: Hi, Scott. Thank you so much. Excited to be here.
1: Yeah, Um, likewise, (laughs) and glad uh, our mutual friend Casey was able to connect us. Um, So I'd love to hear a, a little bit about your background and and how you got into psychotherapy and and how you found your focus
2: yeah thank you so I I originally had a 20-year corporate background to start with because I'm really old (laughs) um so I I kind of did that and I was sorry
1: you don't look it
2: oh thank you I I turned 50 this year so I'm not that that's that's the power of an animal-based way of eating oh yeah Um, so yeah, 20 year corporate history and really just fascinated with the mind. So I had my first child at 33 and then I was like, I don't want to go work for anybody anymore and really just started the path down psychology. Um, and then I ended up going to a seminar where I met a psychotherapist who also was a specialist in what, what was called back then psychonutrition, whereas now it's called uh, nutritional psychiatry. Um, and I sat there and I was just totally blown away by the fact that, you know, he had said to me that you cannot really do root cause by just talking to a starving brain. <laughs> so for me, that just really started my path of understanding um we're really retraining away from the traditional psychology model, which is just literally Let's just come in and talk and talk and talk and talk generally about the same things, but let's not talk about what's going on in your gut. Um, So, you know, he ended up becoming a very good mentor of mine. So literally had to go back and really understand how the mind works, how the gut works. And also too, from a psychiatric nutritional point, you know, what we need to deplete out of the body from a human species point to actually function and thrive, not just to survive. So, yeah, as you said, I've been doing that now for over 16 years. Um, also just uh, finishing a qualification in nutritional psychiatry as well, um, just to maintain and, you know, keep up to date with everything. You know, I'm a massive fan of Chris Palmer <laughs> so and Dr. Georgia Eade. Um, But that's kind of really where I started. And a lot of the time, you know, people would come to me who had been in therapy a long, long time. And when I asked them what they eat, they were, they were quite surprised. So that's, that's kind of where the journey has, has led me to combining both physiological, biological, and getting people back to the best state of being.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. And did you have, um, pushback among patients when you asked them what they eat and eventually, you know, tried to help them with their diets?
2: Yeah. Originally I I was looked at, you know, kind of like I was an alien and I had two heads because, you know, they'd never been asked that question before. And even the other question I normally ask God is, you know, please tell me, you know, have you ever been told how your mind works and tell me what you eat? The answers are no and no. Um, (laughs) So a a lot of the time, even back then, you know, I would say to people, you've got to get rid of wheat. You've got to get rid of gluten. You've got to get rid of processed foods. Please don't eat cereal. Um, Even back then you know that that was kind wow. of the protocol um so anyone that's ever um, wanting to look into the history of kind of psychiatric uh, nutrition it's through abram Hoffer and linus pauling you know they they kind of pioneers in in this um look i i think the other thing's got a lot of the time people were at a threshold where they've just i've had enough i've been told that i can't reverse this i've got to live with this so you know a lot of the time there was great compliance because it doesn't take long for the body once you start feeding the gut the right fuel, then your thinking starts to change, your body starts to shift. So, once, and the other thing I'll always say to people, you cannot think as far as how your body feels. So, if your body is struggling and it's being fed rubbish, what do you think your thinking's going to be? <laughs>
1: This episode is brought to you by Nutopia and their Collagenius to help energize your brain and body. It combines four mushrooms, lion's mane, chaga, cordyceps, and reishi, as well as collagen and Peruvian cocoa. It's an easy powder to mix with your water or add to a hot drink like coffee or tea. Nutopia offers a 365-day money-back guarantee that you'll like it, so there's no harm in trying. Go to www.newtopia.com n o t o p-i a slash carnwar genius. That's newtopia slash carnwar genius and use carnwar10 to during checkout to save 10% and support the show. Yeah, I've always been so fascinated. Um, you know, having a lot of people on this podcast, experts and researchers like yourself, as well as just a lot of stories. Um And I'm always the most amazed by the the mental transformations, whether it's folks overcoming depression or chronic anxiety, all these different things, and and somehow finding relief through carnivore ketogenic style diets. Um, And it's just amazing to me. It's it's like even more remarkable, not to downplay um, physical transformations, but it's even more unbelievable when it happens. Um, Can you talk about kind of what, some of the things that um, affect, some of the ways to explain how food affects our mental health and how um, there is that gut-brain relationship.
2: Absolutely. And w- one of the biggest things I think what we tend to miss, and you know, we, we've been massively programmed from a very, very young age to use food um, as, as a punishment through tool, through diet right? So even when we use the word carnivore diet or ketogenic diet, I always tend to say to people, let's not use the word diet because diet has an unconscious response to every single thing you've ever done in the past. And eventually you've got to come off it because they don't work. (laughs) So again, it it is the power of understanding, even a word, what your mind does with that word and what it does in your body. So again, you've restricted yourself immediately because that's what diet is, right? But also too, at a society, we've learned, to use food, to lose weight, to do a certain thing, to be accepted through society. We've never actually understood the mechanisms of, hold on, humans are a species as are a lion, right? We're the only species on the planet that are told what to eat and have to have a menu plan. And and the menu plan generally is driven by the SAD diet or the standard Australian or American diet, which is basically making people sicker and sicker and sicker. It's not by accident because the thing is at the end of the day, our guts need to be fueled so to answer the question around the priority of health and how that works is we must look at what nutrition actually is so when we even use the word real food most people will think cereal is real food right it's not even fake meat is not real food so we've got to go back to ancestral based species eating and that's that's the you know crux of it really And looking at what the body needs to actually fuel the neurotransmitters. So, I'll always ask people do you actually understand what your body needs to create serotonin, dopamine, GABA, all of these really important neurotransmitters? Everyone says no, (laughs) because we're not taught that, right? So, we use food to also, from a psychological point, as emotional entrapment. And we actually um, become very attached to food not connected to food. So that's both a psychological issue and a craving biological issue and an addiction issue. So if you're constantly eating junk food, sugars, even fructose, fructose is still sugar, people. <laughs> yeah. Sugar is sugar is sugar, right? Um, so from a mental health point, we must go back to the gut. Serotonin is made in your gut, and I'm pretty sure a lot of your audience would know that um, given what you specialize in as well. We must eat protein and especially red meat because it does hold those really nine powerful amino acids that we need to convert into the serotonin. So, for example, serotonin can't be made without tryptophan. Where do you find tryptophan? In animal products. It's not by accident. Um, what have our bodies made of? Fat and protein. So again, it's the psychological attachment to what we have learned. And also it's a tribal thing, Scott. So for example, when you move away from a sad diet and you're going into either a keto way of eating or a carnival way of eating, most people are programmed externally to care about what other people think. And then what happens that actually derails your progress because you're so concerned about what other people are going to say about what you're eating, you actually end up harming yourself more. Does that answer your question? Yeah,
1: yeah, super interesting. Um, and I'm curious, do you, When you're introducing, um, like when you have a a patient or client and and you're helping them through their journey uh, of the combined um, psychotherapy and nutritional intervention, how do you, like not everyone is going to go 100% carnivore day one, right? So how do you like to introduce that with people and make that transition um, while trying to break down some of those barriers and those attachments to food that you mentioned?
2: Yeah. So again, you know, we've got to look at every single person is unique. They have their own unique programming, their own self-image. And also too, most people are operating in a very poor and conflicted self-image when it comes to unconscious and conscious attachments, especially to food. So what we've got to do is go, okay, so some people will come to me And they're like, no, I'm done. I need to go straight into a, you know, zero carb carnivore way of eating. We do that. But we also assist in relation to giving them the tools and the strategies to understand how their mind works. So I'm very, very um, intricate for them to understand the intimacy of the connection of their mind and what power they have at the end of their fingertips, right, of what they're choosing to do. So a lot of the time clients have a low carb and that works brilliantly for them. And then we can go straight into zero carb, into a full carnivore way of eating. So it really depends on their own process and where they're at and what they're really dealing with. So for example, with say disordered eating, um, generally that's a straight into a zero carb carnivore way of eating, um, purely because what happens is once the body starts to be fed correctly, nutritionally fed, you're satiated, your brain turns off. Then we work with the psychological attachments which are all externalized, and we bring them back in.
1: Yeah, that's that's really powerful. And what are some of the types of um, conditions or um, diagnoses you've been able to help your patients with um, with this kind of dual intervention?
2: Yeah, we'll say disordered eating, anxiety, depression, um, high long-term anxiety disorders. Um, so I'm talking 15, 20 years of operating on that space, which is wow. If we also look back long term, if we look at anxiety, anxiety is also, yes, a psychological attachment to self and thinking, thought-filling reactions, generally based on what other people think, but it's also driven by food. It's the the body signal going, I'm starving, and most of the, the population are actually malnourished because of what we're actually consuming. So um Anything, even um, t- tinnitus, as well. Just recently, um, people just kind of understanding. <clears throat> excuse me, that it's inflammation, um, but also to working with the the inflammation of the body, but also the inflammation of thoughts.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's all connected. Um, it that's really fascinating. And how um, how how is this perceived? You're in Australia, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: How is this perceived in Australia? How are, how is the, like, have you had any colleagues who you've shared this with? Um, do you get a lot of pushback? What's it like there?
2: Yeah, look, I, everyone is, is. <laughs> I think that the, the carnivore and the the nutritional psychiatry thing is still kind of, we're still pushing uphill, right? Because it, it's a lot of resistance. And the other thing too, that I find quite bizarre Um, is that, you know, we look at the psychological model, you know, which is like we take our head off and we put it over here and we talk just to that like a starving brain forever, but then we put our bodies over here. But then when we combine them, it just becomes such a bizarre thing that people don't think that that's actually going to be a holistic view. Um, You know, I've had a lot of pushback from, you know, psychologists telling me that, you know, that doesn't exist, (laughs) that food Food doesn't help your anxiety or depression. You just have to manage it. But we know where that, that dogma comes from. And you know, I, I think it's a very, very disempowering state for humans to be in. Um, you just need to actually look around the community. There is millions of people that are reversing their non-told de- depression or anxiety, um, coming off medication, type 2 bipolar, schizophrenia, being used with a ketogenic process. You know, So what we've really got to do is go, you know what? It is what it is. I don't tend to argue it, it it works. Speak to my clients. They don't need a clinical trial with five peer-reviewed studies to confirm what they've done for themselves. Um, I'm, I'm empowering people to go, you know what, here's a door. This is what's on the other side of the door. Let's understand you, give you the tools and the strategies to heal you, um, and people walk through the door.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um- yeah, that, that can be, results can be really powerful and undeniable. are, <laughs> um,
2: yeah, and it, it's quite bizarre where I find, you know, there is such a, you know, that doesn't happen and I'm like, well, yeah, it does. Sorry, I know, it does, <laughs> it, it, I know it's against your model and, you know, we, we know the model and the model is again driven by dogma a lot of the time. Um, so we've just got to really allow people to go, okay, I've got to unlearn a little bit of what I thought mm-hmm. was true. Same with plants, yeah. right? right. We don't eat plants. We don't have to eat plants. We're not going to die. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, um, have you found that you've been able to, um, get patients off of, or treat them with less medication, um, with this approach?
2: Yeah, especially anxiety medication, um, antidepressants, you know, again, working in conjunction. So a lot of the doctors, what well, I find with my clients, um, the doctors will say, well, you know what, here's here's your breakdown, here's your reduction scenario, um, you know, what you need to do. Like I just have one client, um, you know, type two bipolar and ADHD um, started a carnival way of eating and she'd gone five days without having to take her medication. And she's like, I actually don't understand what's going on right now. she said i feel amazing she said i don't feel manic um because her brain's been fed correctly right
1: yeah that's incredible that's so freeing um and i imagine um you also get a lot of pushback to some of the common um challenges of this way of eating um such as cholesterol and yeah. uh, red meat's bad for the <laughs> environment and all these things. How do you deal with some of that?
2: Well, again, you know, it's quite interesting you bring that up because I actually just put up a new study around the shoddy science of, you know, that red meat's going to kill you just recently on LinkedIn It's had of 150,000 impressions and it's wow. 300, 300 comments right now. And oh my gosh. Are... <laughs> it's... Oh, I actually should link it to you to have a look. It's yeah, it's insane. Please do. Um, but again, you know, we, we've got to go back to say, you know, the Ansel Keys time with the same thing with, you know, the Harvard scientists being paid off that, to say sugar is fine and saturated fat's going to kill you. Um, so it's we know science is paid for, right? But again, the vilification of meat is something I come across a lot, um, and you know that it's climate, it's harming the climate, and I'm like, really cows have been around for a long time and all of a sudden the methane's an issue and the methane actually comes from the grass like it's just a process and anyone that doesn't know sacred cow or kiss the ground documentary um please jump on watch them because again you know don't vilify red meat for what the alcohol and the sugar and the processed foods have done so i'm constantly you know talking about it in that sense but again who's ready to hear the information, Scott? We hear it. I'm I'm not here to, you know, obviously with belief structures and they're unconscious a lot of the time, you know, belief structures get ruffled and people go into cognitive dissonance. When I say you can survive as a human without vegetables, right? Um, And it's like, well, that's not really good for you. I'm like, well, I should be dead by now. It's been three and a half years. so yeah. But I don't tend to get reactive in it, Scott. I'm just like, okay, here's some evidence, here's some links, talk to some people, and then you make your own decision.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And (laughs) um, another thing I've seen you talk about is um, self-image. Yes. Um, Can you elaborate a little bit more on that and and what that means to you and, and how you think about it?
2: Yeah. Self-image is is literally the the pinnacle of of how we operate. So, you know, our self-image is developed between the age of zero to seven from anyone in authority to us as children. So if you think about your mind as a video, it's recording every single thing, whether or not it serves us or not, because we don't have the analytical ability to filter it out. So what happens is if I get people to think about, you know, rows and rows and rows of filing cabinets that are all open and your mind and your ears and your body are absorbing everything through thought, feeling, reaction, okay, and energy. So all of those filing cabinets get filled up around the relationship with ourselves, which doesn't exist because most of the time it's always externalized through validation and approval. So your self-image is what you see generally. People kind of go, well, Instagram is self-image when you're looking at people and they're posting all these things about their body. It's one part of self-image, but that's not the part that actually runs your behavior. It's the unconscious self-image that's been developed on everybody else's thoughts, feelings, interactions, opinions, one on themselves, which generally they're also poor and conflicted <laughs> and because that's also from their programming. And then secondly, that's what you run on. Your beliefs and values drive your behavior especially around your relationship with yourself and food. Yeah, that's
1: interesting. I feel like whole books have been written on that topic Um, and there's a lot to uncover there.
2: Yeah. Look, you know, that's the other element where I I guess I'm kind of differ in most of that kind of psychology and psychotherapy element. It's teaching people what their unconscious self-image looks like and what's Mm. driving their behavior. And 90% of human beings are 90% unconscious in their autopilot program. So they're all defaulted programs that aren't ours. And again, our bodies also don't know where we are until we give it a signal to take it to where it needs to be. So what I mean by that, our minds will always operate in the past because that's the filing cabinets and the programs that we've been given. Most people, when they go through the future thinking, all they can see is their past because that's what your mind does. It stays with familiarity. It loves it, right? Even if it's not helping you. So the minute that you understand, hold on. If I'm looking at my future and I'm actually out of the present moment, you're actually out of consciousness. You're actually already unconscious in your existing past default programs. So it's a matter of actually getting conscious, both biological and psychological. And what I have found over the amount of years I've been doing this, food is the key to raise that vibrational energy and shift to be able to get the mind and it's much easier to then work in the psychological model.
1: Wow. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. Huh. And, uh, (laughs) you're just kind of blowing my mind with these. Um, but yeah, I wanted to shift topics a little bit, Natalie, and talk about how you found your way to this way of eating and maybe, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how you ate in the past and, and how, how it's helped you or how it's changed
0: for you.
2: Yeah, so you know, I was I was a pretty standard kid. Same things of what I was programmed with. My mom was always on a diet, so that was kind of my um, you know culture that led me down the same path. And it was all externalized. And uh, then I ended up uh, going into the bodybuilding industry. Um, And it wasn't until I actually did all my training that I understood I had a very 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 poor self image, and that's why I used the bodybuilding industry to externalize myself, um, which eventually ended up um, I have a, a borderline eating like a disordered eating. So, um, which was really, really, um, alarming at the time. But now when I look at it, it, it all makes sense to me. But, um, you know, I spent many, many years Scott, eating every three hours, um, you know, carbs, chicken, broccoli, rice, <laughs> anyone that knows the bodybuilding industry, that's what you do. Right. And then you yep. compete and, um, but again, if I kind of look back on my, my time back then, you know, this is when I was in the corporate industry before I'd done all my training, you know, I had a lot of anxiety and I, w- I was kind of, you know, going in and out of depressive kind of situational states, but now I understand why, because my body was starving from, you know, the amino acid source that I needed. Um, so ended up quitting the bodybuilding industry and just kind of went more into judging and then, you know, did my training, um. And then I also, when I'd learned about the power of gluten and wheat on the brain and the gut, I'd, you know, removed all of that very, very early after my training. So I pretty much was just eating, you know, protein, salads, all of those kind of things. But one thing that I did find, I was always really hungry. Even when I'd eat, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm like only ate 40 minutes ago. And I always, my friends would always joke like, can you bring your lunchbox? Because you're always going to be wanting to be eating. And I'm like, this so I kind of really just pushed through that for, for many, many years. And then all of a sudden I'd started also to, I had to unlearn what I had been trained also in that kind of, you know, psychonutrition training back 16 years ago to understand, hold on, something's not working for me here. Um, but it wasn't until lockdown. And I don't know if you know, but Melbourne was probably the worst lockdown city through COVID um, in the world. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. It was pr- pretty horrendous. Um, so I, you know, we couldn't work, couldn't do anything. So, you know, I, I ended up kind of shoving my face full of sourdough. <laughs> and, you know, for me, I was just like, oh, it's been ages. Like, you know, it's been 15 years. I'll be fine. Yeah, it wasn't fine. Um, ended up waking up one morning with my face was half numb. And I just thought it might have been stress. Um, went to the doctor, did some tests and he said, I think I'm going to test you for celiac." Did that. I was like, no, 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 I don't have CLAC, Fine. Um, but came back and he'd said to me, I was borderline type two diabetic. So wow. root That's cause crazy. there was insulin resistance. Yeah. And because of the history of what I'd done to my body. Right. Yeah. So immediately I went, okay, I'm done. So, and I'm a very, once I get that, I'm an all in, I don't think I just act um, because my health, my mental, and my physical health for me, even though going through COVID now in reflection, it's not negotiable for me. And that's also what I teach my clients. It's, it's not a community project your mental and physical health, unless the community is supportive of you. Um, so for me, I ended up jumping online and was just doing a little bit more research. Then I found a video of Paul Mason, um, who's an amazing Sydney doctor. And I'm like, great, I'm just going to go straight into um, carnivore. And I thought, I'll give it a month, see how we go. Did that. And that was three and a half years ago. So also what I found was I reversed my insulin resistance. Everything went back to normal. Um, On my new normal. So, you know, as we know, cholesterol is not bad. Um, And... Then my asthma went and my hay fever went. I had really bad hay fever as well, um, to the point where I would be on, you know, um, histamines every day. That all reversed as well.
1: That's incredible. Yeah, I um, I had similar experiences with the carnivore diet uh, myself, and did it strictly for for three years, uh, carnivore yeah. way of eating. Here, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's really exceptional. And then how has it evolved for you over those three and a half years? What has changed? Um, have you figured out more of like kind of what works for you? What doesn't, um, how's it changed for you?
2: Yeah. So originally I was just, you know, I, I followed the guidelines of just eat when you're hungry, stop when you're not, because you've got to kind of go through that glucose exchange and get your body into ketosis. Um, so I just, just did that. And then within a two week period, it was like, you know, my brain had just been like a thousand light bulbs going off. And I'm like, this feels amazing. <laughs> um, calm sleep. And then I just did OMAD for a little while. So I did a little bit of, you know, fasting. And then all of a sudden I was like, no, okay, I'm, I'm not meant to fast now because my body was giving me the signals that that was enough. Um, so I range now, Scott, two meals a day. So I'll get up, I'll have my electrolytes. So I wait for an hour because I understand the cortisol response when we wake up in the morning. Um, Try to get outside. It's been a bit crappy here at the moment at the rain, but if I can get outside for an hour into the sun, I'll have electrolytes within that hour. So I drink LMNT, which I love. Um, And then I'll eat. If I'm hungry, I won't. I'll wait. (laughs) So um, my normal meals is fatty, 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 fatty steak. Um, Don't touch chicken anymore. I think that's just because I call it a weak bird. It's not interesting to eat. Don't like it. Like the skin, Uh, but uh, chicken doesn't do it for me anymore. And I think that's just my, you know, background in bodybuilding. Um, Yeah. And I'm I'm just pretty much meat and fat, salt, um, lamb, Every now and again. But yeah, I'm I'm zero carb. So I've been zero carb for yeah, that whole over three years. Um, and from where I am now, both mentally and physically, and even composition-wise, is just you know the best I've ever been. And as I said, like I'm 50. So, you know, for me, metabolic health and mental health and and um, you know, being a woman too, hormonal, um, you know, I, I wouldn't even know I was even going through any kind of perimenopausal symptoms, especially with women. You know, we get told that only oh, gonna have all these night sweats and all that kind of I don't have anything. The only reason I know is because of my blood, my blood results.
1: (laughs) Wow. That's that's awesome. And um do you have any advice now for how um you you help your patients transition through that dependence on on carbohydrates. That can be quite difficult for some people and kind of a rough experience. Um, so how do, you, how do you help them through that? Um, both like, how do you prepare them for that and tell them what's going to happen? And also what, what advice do you give them to make it somewhat easier?
2: Yeah, great question. I love that. Um, and a lot of the time people kind of go, oh my gosh, I just don't have any willpower, right? So willpower comes from past events of dieting. And then feeling like there's something wrong with them and they can't stick to anything. And know that's called addiction to hyper-processed foods and the dopamine, you know, going off all day, every day, but also to the emotional attachment that we have through our emotions with food. So this is about them understanding willpower is nothing compared to an addiction. So once we go through that process, I see everyone's face and body just go, Oh my God. Okay. It's an actual biological addiction. So never, ever, ever, ever underestimate the power of poor nutrition on your body. It's extremely powerful. So once we get them to understand the sugar and the processed foods you're eating in the morning is setting your insulin up, it's hitting your dopamine. So as soon as it hits your taste buds, your dopamine's going off, right? Because it tastes good. Your insulin goes up, then it's going to have to come down at some point. So you run this full roller coaster of addiction of glucose, well, androgynous glucose and carbohydrates externally, right? So once you paint the picture, because the mind works in pictures, once you understand and the mind goes, oh, that's what's happening. How do I get my body out of an addiction process? It, it, it's like telling an alcoholic or a drug addict to use willpower. That doesn't work. It's exactly the same thing with food. Every single thing, if you look at trolleys in the supermarkets, it is horrendous of what people actually don't understand about what they're putting into their bodies. So I always say too, if you treat your body like a garbage tip. It will respond accordingly. Um, so again, it's about you being in control and understanding. This is an addiction. This is a dopamine reaction. You're killing the the um, you know your your, your uh, serotonin production. Give people the information. Like most people don't know this. So once you open that door, and they're like, okay, so how do I get rid of this? craving response so I'll say to people okay is it a physiological craving in your head because what happens is the minute you think about a biscuit your body's going to react with the memory associated with the biscuit you the biscuit could be at the supermarket you could be at home you think about it your body reacts you want it then what happens is we build a neural pathway where we develop the strength of that outcome so the outcome in that emotion is the biscuit What we need to do is understand, hold on, why am I even wanting a biscuit? What's going on with me right now? Have I not slept? And again, if you don't sleep properly, your cortisol is going to go up and you're going to want to crave sugars and carbohydrates. It's that simple. So again, don't use light when you go to bed. Like it's really bad for you. Um, But It's getting people to understand and also to the addiction of dopamine with phones, screens, laptops, iPads, we are firing that all day, but we're also firing it with food. So we have to calm down that response, both emotionally, go through the emotion and create a new outcome instead of using the food as the outcome. Now, What I will help people through is to understand if you have a glucose craving, carb craving, and emotional craving, in the first, I have three stages, which I call three fat adaptation stages. All I want you to do is eat meat and fat and butter. Like put butter in the fridge, slice it off like cheese, and eat it. (laughs) What that does, it then calms down the signal and your body becomes satiated. So when you eat zero nutritional-based foods, there's no satiation in that. You'll just constantly be hungry.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's excellent advice and, and a really great explanation for people. And it helps that you're able to spend more time with folks to to walk them through that. Because um, a lot of times in in today's you know TikTok Instagram age, there isn't time to give some of that nuanced explanation of what's going to be happening to their body and what they'll be experiencing
2: correct yeah and and it also allows you to be really empowered you know like i have people that will say to me oh i jumped off the bandwagon or i did this and i'm like no 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 that's past language pattern of dieting mentality you didn't jump off anything you chose that's what you chose get the body's feedback so again when we're suffering in inflammation and you know dis- dysfunction of metabolic health our feedback signals we have no idea what's going on Um, So once we start to get the body back into a primal state and, and and it's really, and you'll understand this, Scott, like when you try to explain to people what it feels like, it's really difficult to quantify into words what happens.
1: (laughs) Definitely. Especially I find the hardest thing to explain is like that you don't want other foods eventually. Correct. At least. I've, I've experienced that and a lot of people say that and they're like, oh, don't you have a craving for this? Don't you have a craving for that? Don't you want more variety? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I actually just want more meat. Um, and I, I find that's the hardest thing to explain to people.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I get that too. And you know what it is, and I want people to really understand the power of once you start feeding your body in a species appropriate way, everything else from the human culture of food and, you know, and I also say... <laughs> I wrote a post recently about moderation is bullshit. So it doesn't exist. Let's just be honest. Species appropriate way of eating is not moderation because you cannot have a moderate amount of disease, moderate amount of type two diabetes, moderate amount of depression. If you're addicted, you need to eliminate it. And the more that you eliminate, the more that you give your body the power to actually do what it's designed to do. Because most people actually operate on an existence of, oh, this is the best I'll feel for the rest of my life. Oh, this is my age. You know, I I've, I've think I've got more energy than my 16 year old, right? But again, it's understanding the nutritional state and the power of it. Look, you know what? You can have, I have clients that have, you know, been on it six months and a year and they go out and they may have, um, you know, um, say sweet potato, for example, but I'll get feedback from them pretty quickly where they'll go, Oh yeah, don't want that. That tasted disgusting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how well your body gives you feedback once you're more in tune with it. Once you like turn down the noise, uh, of having all these different foods and being in this chronically inflamed state, it's a lot easier to pick up on those signals.
2: It is. And also, too, you know, what I find and teach teaching people it, the way you fuel yourself is a form of self respect. So the minute that you start to tap in on that energy that this creates, um, the level of self love and self respect that people start to feel because what they do, they're like, wow, I did that. I did this. I. I committed and I loved myself and I nurtured myself, which again, we have to learn to do because everything is ever always externalized. So it's the same thing when people say, well, what am I going to do when I go out? I'm like, what do you mean? Just eat steak, like just eat what you want. Um, but remember what you choose to do for your mental health it's not anybody else's business. If someone's like, oh, eat a piece of cake, it's not going to kill you. That's their, their stuff. That's not yours. It's a matter of going, no, thank you so much, but I'm actually don't need that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's your responsibility. You have ownership over it. Um, it's really empowering. Like you say, um, Natalie, this has been fantastic. Um, really great to meet you. Really appreciate you taking the time Um, I feel like I have so much more I can learn from you. And like I said, before this, uh, I was listening to some of your past interviews. I'm going to continue to check those out. Um, Thank
2: you so much.
1: Yeah. Um, Where, where can I, where can folks find you? Um, And I'll, of course, have links to everything in the show notes as
0: well.
2: Yeah, brilliant. So uh, Facebook, Instagram, it's Natalie E West and my website is natalieewest.com. I do have a Let's Start Now tab, uh, which basically allows people 30 minutes with me as an introduction to just kind of check in and see what's going on for them and what's resonated with them with what we've spoken about, uh, which is no charge. It's 30 minutes for free. Just jump on. Let's chat, see where you're at. Um, and we go from there.
1: Perfect. Um, well, I would highly recommend folks check that out. And thanks again for your time today, Natalie. It's
0: been thank great
2: thank you to be so here. much. Pleasure.
0: If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting the Carnivore Cast on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you'll help us reach more people and continue to create content on Carnivore. There are also exclusive perks available, such as private Q and A's, consultations with me, and more. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash carnivorecast. Check the episode description for the link. Thank you and I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Carnivore Cast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review on iTunes. It really helps us out and share it with a friend. What questions would you like answered or who would you like to hear from in the carnivore research community? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CarnivoreCast or go to CarnivoreCast.com. You can also email me at info CarnivoreCast.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep it carnivore.